Good morning. Next week, you're going to have Sunday off for Chazara of the General Sugyas. So please uh, use it as such. And make sure you prepare various different mahachan during the spinning of the dreidel and whatever else you're doing with your children. If you go to Perak Tess, Pasichaf Tess, there were marmachemists, and we have a problem. Somebody seems to be taking them. So if we get to it this week, we'll read some of the Balpeh. Just remind me, maybe just send me a message to make more copies of the ones that we'll put out. It's a Rambam. It's actually two Rambams, which we need. So just send me a reminder. We're going to need it for next time. I see over here that the, I was about to put, put them out, but they're uh, no longer around. We have this fellow, Gal Ben Eved, who is only up to no good. Rashi says he's an Akum who happens to be passing by the city of Shechem. And he sees an opportunity for trouble and seizing power. So he walks in with his brothers and other cohorts and call this an opportunist in a very bad way and he decides that if they just elect him as leader he'll get rid of Abimelech and shows you how much siat deshmaya they're not going to have in this whole operation Remember the klala that was given in the form of a mushal, and the klala was given at the end of the mushal, that this whole regime should self-destruct in both directions. Avimelech here is being put into power by his mishpacha in Shechem, and his klala, before he ran away, was that they should all of a sudden strongly dislike him, and he should have the same feeling toward them and they should start having a civil war within the city. The whole kingdom right now is really based in Shechem and the suburbs. According to the Bishayinim that he's listed as a Shefet, you have to say that besides the terrible murder and uh, bloody coup that happened over here, after he was in power for the very limited time he will be in power, he carried out whatever administrative duties there were and perhaps fought a battle or two against smaller armies that were coming into Yisrael. We don't have any record of it in the Pusik because the Pusik really is not interested in recording anything positive about this. The Bisham is just medayik that if you even have a Havmin of putting him in the list, he had to have been a, not a Shafet, because the Radak who includes him, says he's not called a shefet, he's called a sar, because he wasn't here, Mikayah HaTayra, he was here because of his muscle and his cunning. But we don't have any other lists of any Maisa Rishus here that he's doing, which doesn't really give us any great note of optimism for what is going to continue to unfold, because the rest of it is all bad news. Just we're contrasting normally people who do things like this have a long list of vices of other Averis Hamurus to go along with it. The good news is we don't have that here. 
I always like reporting some good news, but this is from Rishayinam, that it's a Chiddush Nifla. There are Rishayinam that say he's not on any list. And if you list the Shaftim, just delete this name. I'm just trying to miyashe why anybody would have him on any sort of list. Was he in other aspects a capable leader who was not interested in getting rid of Torah Mitzvahs and not uh, uh, from the Mitzvahim and their ilk and the like? So the answer is yes, um, that would be the positive news. And he's still strong. Because Galban Eved, who is apparently a gangster and is used to doing this, now asks the people to let him take care of Avimelech and fight him and get rid of him. He'll be leader. I don't exactly know what the Havmina was. If the guy, according to Rashi, is an Akum, what exactly are they going to do with him afterwards? But they weren't really thinking that far ahead because... The animosity was there already. May Hashem that unfortunately, uh, their rights him for aiding and abetting. They're all going to die because of this. And Galban Eved is going to be gone before that's even over. So it's never going to happen. But the announcement, Perik Chavtes, Perik Chavtes, Mi'itein es am This is Galban Eved talking. And I'll get rid of him. This is about as direct a challenge as you could possibly give. He says, I'm here to get rid of you. If you don't like it, then get your army together. And we'll face each other in the open battlefield. Sounds like he's very sure of himself, as we'll see soon. He's not going to be so interested when Avimelech actually shows up to face him in battle. And then he's have, going to have to decide between his uh, busyness and his safety and the safety of his men. And we'll see that very soon. So Zvul Sarir is, call him the lieutenant, the assistant of Avimelech. Vimelech has these grandiose ideas of becoming the shefet and, in his mind, the king of all of Eretz Yisrael. So he appoints under him this fellow Zvul. And Zvul is quoted over here as the one who's dealing directly with Gal ben because Avimelech is out of the city. And he's very upset. He's upset that the chutzpah of this Gal ben how dare he challenge Avimelech, he's also probably very scared for his life because Zvul should be the next person who he gets rid of. Or maybe even the first person he gets rid of. He's Avimelech's representative in town. It's not clear in the Pasuk, but the Mepharshim suggests that Zvul was a capable negotiator and politician as well, which isn't any great mile in a vacuum. But he temporarily bought his safety why didn't Galban Eved get rid of him? When you take over the first people, you get rid of the lieutenants and immediate assistants of the former king. So he pretended like he's going to support him, and he became his good buddy. And we find the next few psukim, he's talking to him a lot and planning. So he sort of convinced Galban Eved, who is a foreigner, doesn't really know everybody. So he's able to convince him right now that he's on his side, and really he's still working for Avimelech, and he's going to use that to Avimelech's advantage, as we'll see. So Zvul's very upset at the chutzpah of this fellow, and of course the challenge and the danger. So he 
he sends a message because he is working for Avimelech. So we'll call him a spy of sorts, pretending to be on the other side. And he sends a message that Avimelech is not in town. Besarma to Pshatim is either to the city where he was, Sarma, or Sarma means in secret. Meaning he sent him a uh, private message. Very quickly, get yourself together because you're going to have to come fight. He's going to, or he's in the process of securing the city. He's not going to let you back in, and he's going to overthrow you and your men. So quickly get together so you could deal with this. So take the people, meaning the soldiers, and hide in the field. Come at the crack of dawn. It's still pretty dark then. That's going to play a role. And Galbanevin and his men are going to leave the city but wait by the wall outside. But they want the safety of the city to be able to run back in case they need to. And I'm giving you his plan so you could plan accordingly. And when he comes out, you could secretly come from the uh, trees and the bushes and the mountains and attack him. So he splits his men into four battalions. Ma'arov. And Galben Eved comes just outside the city and he is waiting and watching. He doesn't know about this sneak attack, but he knows he did challenge Avimelech to a battle, so he's standing there with his small army. And then, under cover of uh, mostly darkness, can't be in the middle of the night, it's pitch black, they wouldn't be able to unless they had lapidim like the the previous battles, he's going to have enough light. Avimelech knows the city and knows the terrain a lot better than Galban Eved, who just walked in. And Avimelech starts moving closer for different groups. Vayar Gal Esa'am. Sagal is looking at the landscape. They didn't have night vision gear. Keep that in mind. It's still pretty dark out. If you get up at Alesa Shachar, so it's um, Alesa Shachar, talking about a morning star, I'm not exactly sure, I don't usually look up and see where it is, but it doesn't give a whole lot of light, and depending which sheet in Alesa Shachar you hold of, whether it's a set 72 minutes, which is always hard to explain, a set anything in Zmanim is a hard thing to explain, because it depends where you are, what time of year, latitude, longitude, so it's probably not 70 minutes, you and I discuss that at length every time. Making the calendar, he asked me when should I put Zman Alois and uh, Zman Achila before Atinus. The 72 minute shear is a cooler. It's based on degrees below the horizon, like 16.1. Very hard to imagine. How could it be? It's the same problem with the Rabbanu Tom saying it's a 72 minute set and say it's the same issue. That's a shayla. So these shirim come from the sugyas. The sugya sounds like it's giving a set time, or is it not? It's telling you what it was in that 
part of the world, and then you have to extrapolate what is it, and then based on where you are. I agree. They didn't have clocks. They didn't have watches. Sundials don't work at night. It's a general problem because you need a sun. And it's never going to be an exact science. With that said, in the inexact science that it is, what are we aiming for? Is it just a pisvara? Is it a set time all over the world where it's clear that it changes based on where you are, just in the science of it? So not getting into that now, but my point is it's dark and too dark for Zvul, as you'll see in a moment, to really understand the situation. Light enough for Avimelech to start coming in, tiptoeing with his men for a sneak attack. So, So you see Zvul is pretty chummy with Galban Evid because he's standing next to him trying to survey the situation. Kilu, he's on his side, and we're going to make sure that we don't have any sneak attacks from Avimelech. We wouldn't want that. So he's talking to him. Vayar gal asam. So gal comments to Zvul. Vayamel Zvul. Hine am yered merashi harm. I think I see people coming down from the mountain. Goops over here and over here and over there. Says, yeah, I'm looking also, I think it's just the shadows, the very early morning type of shadows you see from mountains. And I think uh, you're seeing things, and that's not people. Those aren't soldiers, nothing to worry about. Which is what you're going to say if you're a spy, and you're here to be makako of this strategy and make sure every melech has the advantage of a sneak attack. The G'daylam, after debating it for a while, when Napoleon was attacking Russia, so they were debating the uh, very all-important time-honored question, the only question we ever ask when things are going on, and that is, is this good for the Jews or bad for the Jews? So the initial reaction was, this is great for the Jews. Napoleon was the first person who seemed nice enough to even discuss emancipation and rights of minorities, particularly Jews, and breaking down the ghetto walls. And that, that was really something that would be to get rid of persecution, economic prosperity, and uh, the possibilities to integrate. And uh, some people were very excited. And most of the G'daylam... Uh, saw what was coming, Chachamein and And sounds good on paper. It doesn't sound very good for the Rukhnis of Klai Israel. 2020 hindsight, speaking of Hanukkah, Ms. Yavnim, and assimilation, that's what brought Haskalah. You wouldn't think, what does Napoleon's invasion have to do and take over the world have to do with Haskalah? But if he knows the history, that's exactly what it was. So it was known that there were... Um, Certain Gedalim who actually told Yidin in various towns and cities to, when they can, act as spies for the Russians against the French. That sounds like a dangerous plot, no? And there were cases where uh, there were people who, one fellow knew a lot of uh, languages and he ended up getting to the upper echelons of the central command of Napoleon and he was translating their discussions for various, and then supplying the 
Russian officers with the plan. I don't know. You got to do a shtadlis. Um, history says that uh, Napoleon lost because of General Winter. That certainly didn't help him too much, but it might have been General Winter and Chaim Yankel and some other people who were aiding and abetting. So you say, well, how can you be a spy? Isn't that Ganeva's Das? So we discussed that in this year. It's not Ganeva's Das if everybody knows that both sides have spies and that's the way you fight a war. You fight it in the battlefield, and you fight it in the diplomatic front, and you fight it in the underground. So it's built on Geneva's Das. That's almost uh, as sensical a question as is a mutter to play chess. There might be Geneva's Das involved. Is there Geneva's Das involved? It's hard to fake right and go left in chess, by the way. You've got to move your piece in one direction. So it's not active Geneva's Das, but uh, they're two people thinking very deeply, and they're certainly not discussing. You'd think it quite bizarre if uh, Chaim Yankel would ask David, uh, David, uh, you know, two friends playing chess, why not? Says, uh, what are you thinking? <laughs> What's your next move? It's kind of none of your business. It's not Geneva's Das, but certainly not something you're entitled to. That would be, if somebody would ask you that, you'd have a right to either say nothing, which would be smart, or if he asked you a pointed question, like, do you plan on moving your queen in that direction to uh, say something that's going to throw him off? He's not right to ask such a question. So that's on that battlefield. On the real battlefield, Lahavdil, a spy is uh, designed to practice Geneva's Das, and there's nothing wrong, and Zvul here is working for Avimelech. Neither side is too too righteous in terms of their agenda. But he's working for at least the Yid in the battle. And he tells him an overt lie. He doesn't, this isn't Geneva's Das. He says, do you see people coming down the mountain? He says, no, I think it's just shadows. So that's called Sheker. But this is a war going on. Nobody talks about Sheker over here. Gal keeps looking. He accepts it at first. That gains them another nine minutes. The sun's coming up. He says, I think I really see people and they seem to be coming from those mountains over there. And I see one coming from there and one coming from there. And these are people and they're armed and he didn't see Avimelech yet, but he understands the picture. So, and this uh, Mesa, where they kept reporting to the Kremlin that there are people in uh, Red Square. Is there a place in Moscow called Red Square? That sound familiar? You know this uh, Mesa? They kept repeating there are people there, and they kept coming to reports. There are more people, more people. I said, What's the problem, Ray? He said, As many people as you want. They're talking, he says. So they're talking, he says. They're talking Chinese. Small detail. So they're waiting just, there could have been six minutes in between, nine minutes in between. But that's nine minutes that they got that much closer. And now Gal, to his dismay, sees four different groups coming in four different directions. And they have the advantage of surprise. And they're also going to squeeze him into fighting. No, so you're wondering, what's the problem? He's the one who threw out the challenge in the first place. So 
at a time of Sakana, he's good and nervous now. He doesn't have a huge army. And Zvul is going to remind him that he's the one who started this whole thing in the first place. You have to understand the ancient world when you throw out a challenge like that. Remember, everybody used to line up and they used to have official battles. It was very uh, chivalrous and everybody would... It was all about honor and they didn't have... Till recent times, except for if you were Avimelech and the Yidden who had to fight like this because they were always outnumbered, they have sneak attacks and they would line up in battle and see who's the stronger. So he's the one who suggested this, and Zvul now, somewhat sarcastically, is going to remind him of that. Pasik Lamed Ches. Zvul he said, weren't you just saying yesterday that you're stronger than Avimelech and you're going to be a better leader and why do we need Avimelech and let's get rid of him? He said that in front of his men, so he really had no choice at this point. He embarrassed him into fighting. He meant this sarcastically, but he's supposed to be on Gal Benevit's side, so he said, you know, Mr. Benevit, this is not going to look good for you if you want to have a revolution. You said you're going to fight, so go fight. So he said, Akilu, you have no choice, sir. had no choice. So he starts the battle. Avimelech has a, at least for this battle, a very, very strong and swift victory. And he pushes them back into the city, kills a lot of his men. And he doesn't enter the city yet, because remember, half the city is still against him. So, interestingly enough, the rest of the job is done by his man, Zvul, and the people in the city, even though they're initially against Avimelech, they see Avimelech is stronger, and who's this Gal Ben Evid fellow anyway? We have no sheiches to him. So Zvul convinced enough people to throw Gal Ben Evid out of the city. So they, most of his men were gone already, and they expelled him and the rest of them. So at this point, we would like to see that Avimelech remains the leader, whatever capacity it was, because why have more bloodshed? But he's not supposed to be leader. And there's a klala hanging over them, and rightfully so, and he didn't get his uh, just desserts yet. And this is just the beginning. Most things that were done in terms of the food, which was the main avoda of the day, was done by either going to your chatzar in your little garden or going to the field outside the city. And if it's harvest time, you got to go and pick whatever you're going to pick and bring it back in. So it was very common. Most of the people in the city would have to go out to the field, leaving the protection of the walls, so walled city, and going out. In peacetime, that's not a problem. That's regular standard procedure. The spies told Avimelech, who's still outside, that people are coming out, and here's your chance to attack them. He's attacking civilians, his own, formerly his own people. 
but he wants to take revenge because half of them or more are the ones who just rebelled against him. So he wants to make it clear that this is not going to be something that goes unpunished. This time it's three units. And he starts uh, executing them. And one of the three units is told to go stand by the gate of the city, not to let anybody back in so that they can kill everybody who went out. Now, I'm not exactly sure, and it's never going to be Nogea, what he expects to accomplish. If you ask him, he'll say, these people are high Misa and they rebelled against me. What? Yeah, but he doesn't have five million people to be king over. This is the regular Tom, Dick, and Harry, or Chaim, David, Yankel of this. Oh, yeah, and... He also won't have any people. <laughs> so I, that's obviously what he's going to say. He says, uh, a lot is an understatement, but apparently there were a lot more where that came from. This is one city, it's Shrem, a couple of suburbs. The answer is like you're saying, uh, he can't let this go. And it's a chutzpah, and he's uh, personally involved over here, so he wants to make it clear. It's uh, going to be a continued bloodbath, unfortunately, uh, till the end of the Misa, because he's going to keep, he doesn't exactly even know, he doesn't have a list, Zvul sending some information, he doesn't have a list of exactly who's for, who's against, he just gets word that the people are coming out to harvest and pick their berries and whatever else they're doing and be there waiting for them, and that's what he does. So it's not... The people who happen to be doing their farming were not Dafka, the people who were against them before him, it was... Somewhat of a split, 60, 40, 70, 30, whatever it was. But at this point, Zvul threw Gob and Evan out of the city anyway. That means he got a lot of people to say, you might as well get rid of him and bring him back. So maybe, you know what I'm saying, Yishmu was part of it, but the question is, how much? And uh, maybe some of the people still felt, we got rid of Gob and Evan, we don't want Avimelech back. Whatever it is, he's killing a lot of people. And he still has to fight a battle against the city. He wants to take over the city. Speaking of Levan Yishmu Viro, his plan is to kill enough people to then get into the city, and the city will not have enough people to defend it and destroy the city. And he's going to do that. He's going to burn down the whole city. So that's uh, you're the governor. Zvoli's not trying to kill. Maybe a few select people. He's burning down his capital city. And yes, he's a sheifet on Klai Yisrael, but we don't find him very active in Tel Aviv, Haifa, Bnei Brak, Yushalayim. So it's more, he's bent on revenge. He started off as a violent person, and he's going to make a Roshim, whether it makes sense for the whole picture or not, which is part of the reason he shouldn't have been the sheifet in the first place. Totally demolishes the city. Israel, Melach. And to add insult to the injury, even though this is, was his city, it's his family, he dismantles the city, raises it to the ground, and puts salt in the entire areas. It can be used as a field to plant things afterwards. 
I mean, like, treats it like an irinidachas, that it can't be built anymore. This is pretty drastic. The Yishmu Kobal Migdal Shechem is a place called Migdal Shechem, picture a fortress, obviously in that area, that he didn't get to yet, and the rest of the people who rebelled against him are held up in this, held up in this place. Very sad, besides whatever else is going on. These people still were of the Avarazara, and their meeting place was this base Avarazara of this uh, Bris God. No, unfortunately. Unfortunately not. <laughs> no, they're quite the opposite. They na- Avodazara names had sometimes very august uh, connotations, which were anything but august. And uh, yeah, they, they pinned it on, this is the, our place of covenant, and uh, yeah, nothing to do with Hakash uh, Baruch or Yiddishkeit. But they're all there, which is going to prove momentarily extremely dangerous for them. Deadly. For you, God, Lavimela, Kies Kapsu, Kobale, Migdol Shrem. And he gets word that the rest of the survivors are there. Vayal, Avimela, Hartzalman, Huva, Cholama, Sheita, Vika, Avimela, Esak, Hadumas, Biyadai. Avimela, who is very capable right now in his leadership of massacring people, unfortunately, and is very hands on. So he takes an axe and puts it on his shoulder, a picture of the scene, tells all his men, whatever I'm doing, just watch me and do the same. So, He takes the axe, he cuts down a branch, he holds the branch with him. Whatever you see me doing, do it, and do it quickly. Maru asu So he now has a face, a thousand soldiers, and they're all by the trees, peeling and chopping off branches, and putting it behind them or on their shoulders, and walking with it. So we have a lot of people with wood. You'll see right away what his plan is. Everybody gets their branch as much as they can carry, their log. And he tells them, put it all down. He now has this tower, this little fortress, with a gigantic pile of wood completely surrounding it. And he puts the wood down, lights it up, and burns down the entire fortress with everybody in it. This is, um, we have a lot of vivid descriptions of battles, and some of them are all difficult to even read, but they're few and far between. In Pelagish Begiva, at least it was in battle formation. Here, he's taking an Alpidin, had he been a Melech, and they're still in rebellious mode, they talk and the Chaimisen. If it's the only way to get them, that's the battle, okay? War is never pleasant. Problem is, he shouldn't have been a ruler, he shouldn't have been the Tsar, and they shouldn't have been doing what they're doing. But they're all Chaimisa, all these people from Chaimisa, for putting him up to this, giving him the money to go kill his brothers. And this is exactly what the Musashmuz was about after the whole mushal with the trees and the thorn bush. 
He cursed them and he said, if you're happy with your pick, wonderful, have a nice day. And if you're not, you should all get rid of each other. And that, that is happening before our eyes. And he kills all of them in one moment. A thousand people. There were a thousand men and one lady, which means there shouldn't have been a lady in there. She just ran. But these were... He looked at them as not a civilian, as, as enemy combatants because they rebelled against him. I'm trying to go through this as quickly as possible because it's uh, not uh, easy to even read it. The Maisel is still hidden, and we would have hoped they did tshuva, and perhaps as it was burning down, they did tshuva, and they said Shema Yisrael. But the Einish over here, Baruch Hashem, this never happened before or since. We never had somebody seize power like this. He's the only one. And that's why the Einish is so swift. Everybody else was a reluctant Anivas Dik Tzadik who didn't want to be king and they didn't make him king and didn't want to be Shefet and he just did the job, whatever was needed. And uh, anybody who's too interested in becoming king is somebody we don't want, which is the opposite of what, it, what happens by the Umas Olam which is why they have such machlekes and often uh, violence. Yeah, she never even... Yeah, that was another example. I, nobody lists her as a shefet. She, she was so beyond the pale. She wasn't... This Melech she wasn't eligible in any form or fashion. That's why I don't include that. Yes, she, and she deserved that. And they, and they got rid of her, by the way. It wasn't a major battle. They just got rid of her. She was, Mamesh had no sheikhs whatsoever. So in the period of Shaftim, this is, this is the only one, which is why it's over so quickly. It was only Shaftim for a few years with all these battles included. These all suburbs of the area, and he wants to make sure everybody who was involved in this plot to get rid of him is going to be killed. And every city had its fortress and tower, and they all ran there without modern, very fast uh, media and reporting systems. So you would say, wait a second, just a pussy before they did that. That's not a very safe idea. But this battle is unfolding as they go along, and they didn't know that. Migdalah, and they really felt they had no choice. His army's coming, and they want to hide and fight him from there. And they, of course, locked the front door. Picture a tower, and you got this spiral staircase going up. And they all go up to the roof, and they're going to fight the battle from the roof. So the good news for them is that even though they're all in one place and that's potentially dangerous because he's going to try to burn this down also, uh, he's not going to succeed. Vayala, Gaga, Migdal, they're now on the roof and they're dropping things, shooting bows and arrows and the like. And he has the same plan and he is approaching the door to lay down the firewood to start the fire. As he is standing there, remember they're on the roof and a very good position to be in because even though they probably didn't have too much time to uh, get the catapults there and the uh, 
ammunition and too many bows and arrows, but they have projectiles that you can drop, and like a penny from the Empire State Building, whatever you drop is going to be lethal, and if it's heavy in the first place, it's going to be extremely effective. And there's a lady on the roof, plenty of men on the roof, but the lady on the roof, significant that this final blow is going to be done by a lady. Pelach Rechev is a large stone. It's part when you have, it was at the grind wheat, so you had the top and the bottom, and these are heavy items. And the roof was always a good place where you dried your dates and figs, like Gemara talks about all the time, and you had different machinery. They, they didn't have any of these things in their house. The house was one room. So the Chatzar, Mavui, all these places, the roofs were always places where you prepared things. So she figured this would work well, and maybe somebody helped her lift it toward the roof. But gets her, she drops it straight on his head. Even as wearing a hard hat, he's going to get killed, and he probably wasn't, even if he was uh, just the force of the gravity. And she hits his head and cracks his head. And he's now dying. He didn't die yet. And this is uh, going to be important. I mentioned to you the they talk about the Gilgulim and that Avimelech was a Gilgul of Avimelech, which maybe shouldn't surprise us too much, but it is kind of surprising because the original Avimelech wasn't a Yid. Why would that's okay? But you have Gilgulim, Kodemat and Terror, to people, nobody was really Yid, Kodemat and Terror, to Aftermat and Terror, it's not the first one. And the connection is Tikkun, all Gilgulim are complicated, but one of the Ramazim they mention is Hintcha uh, Meisaleisha, the warning given to Avimelech the king is you stole Sarah Imenu and you're going to die because of the lady. He never died because of the lady, because he did tshuva and he gave her back. But it was Mekoyim because Avimelech's going to die because of the lady who's going to throw the projectile on his head. That's enough to get anybody dizzy, but there, <laughs> one of the many, many Ramazim that there's some connection over here. He's not dead yet. So this happens, this will sound familiar, this next Pusik, with Shoal and his uh, right-hand man, the arms bearer, which Shoal is already a machlekes, maybe there's an excuse to do it. Normally euthanasia is usher. And the most embarrassing thing for him is that the word's going to go out that he died and he got killed in battle by a lady, which in the ancient world was a big bizillion. Even though fully understandable, she just dropped something on him, hand-to-hand combat, she would not have won. But she had the advantage of being three stories up, but still a bizillion. So he turns to the young man, he says, quickly kill me, take out your sword, because I don't want to die from the lady. I want the rumor, it's all about the PR, he's about to die. Shema Yisrael would be a better idea. Maybe he said that also, I'm hoping. But immediately he's a man of war, and he's a warrior and courageous, which he was. He's there fighting on the front lines, trying to burn down the tower, and putting himself in a dangerous position. But he tells him to do it. Normally, you can't just follow orders, and euthanasia is usher. Clearly. It's a direct order. He does it. What we're going to discuss in two weeks is, does he have a head to do it over here? Is mercy killing over here possibly mutter? Mercy killing is never mutter. The angle over here will be, unlike by Shaul, where there was a possible chil Hashem, if he'd fall into their hands, he'd be tortured. There's one man in the Medrash that that was mutter over there, even though normally it's usher. 
and he's afraid maybe they would uh, prayed him around, which they would have, and they, they put his body in the base of Arazar when they caught Shaul. So he was right about the fear of what's going to happen if they take him in alive would have been even worse. So there's a machlekes over there. Over here, the machlekes is not in the medjur, it's not that early, but the Mepharshim discuss, is there a heter over here? What would the heter be? Interestingly enough, the heter, and that I need the Rambam for that, the heter might be that Avimelech himself is a married can't say Mary Bamachus, there was no Melodam, but he himself was a Rodef. If he stays alive, this battle will continue, more Yidin will be killed, and it's all his fault. This whole battle, the whole destruction of Shechem, it's their fault also because they put him up to it and they paid for it, and that's why they're dead. And he should be dead because if he continues fighting, he's going to kill more people, which he's doing Pusik by Pusik. And therefore, maybe there's a Heter slash Mitzvah to get rid of him. So let's just read the Pusik Nandala. Vikram, Meher, Anar, Kalov. About me, Isha Haragaso. They're going to say that a lady kills a bazillion in battle. And he follows orders and he kills him. And right after that, everybody goes home. I'm going to end on that pasuk, even though it's right before the end of the parable. That's good news. This ends the battle, and there in lies the heter possibly. I don't know if the young man was thinking of that. His, just, his superior officer or the leader told him to do something. He did something. That's not the excuse. The excuse is that if I get rid of him, maybe we'll stop the bloodshed, which is exactly what happened. Everybody goes home. That's the good news. And it's clear, the Pasuk says, this is all a punishment for what he did, but Mitzvah Shem will continue with that next time.